Recently, I read of a little girl who came from her neighbor's house where her friend lived who had just died. Her dad asked her, what were you doing at that? What were you doing over there? The little girl replied, I was there comforting my friend's mother. He then asked, what could you do to comfort this broken hearted mother? She said to her dad, I climbed in her lap and I cried with her. Due to sin in this world, we just can't escape the fact that this world is broken. And we can't escape the fact that if we live in this broken world very long, we're going to find ourselves broken hearted at some point. And it's when we experience a broken heart that we find people will go to extremes attempting to comfort us. Some will attempt to take things off our plate. They will come over and cut our grass, help clean up, take trash off. Some will cook there for us some will bring food to the home you know what I'm talking about because this church has folks who do this some will try to take our minds off of the circumstances that we're in by telling fond stories of good memories Some will try to make us laugh so that the circumstances aren't consuming us. Some will just be there to hold us, to cry with us. What I've learned is in these best attempts to comfort us no pain is erased it's a small sense of comfort but the pain is real the best we can do is offer this small sense of comfort But Luke 4 tells us that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was sent to comfort us. He was sent to be our comforter. He came to bind the brokenhearted. We can't 
we can't lose sight of that. Let's review the context of the passage, would you? After Jesus' baptism, he, he spent of spending 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. It was there in Galilee where Jesus began his earthly ministry. He began teaching in the synagogues. Jesus was becoming popular. He was going throughout the region doing all sorts of great things, performing all sorts of miracles, and and he was teaching and people believed his teaching of the scripture. So Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth, and there he continued, as was his custom, to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Having noticed that Jesus was in attendance they invited him to read a passage from Isaiah 61. This passage was a messianic prophecy of God's servant who would come to save, to heal, and to deliver. And after reading, Jesus closed the book, handed it to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes were fixed upon Jesus as he was preparing to expound upon this passage and his words were today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing Jesus was saying I am the anointed one I am the Christ I am your Messiah and those in the synagogue marveled at Jesus words then they begin to ask each other is not this Joseph's son. It appears that they did not receive Jesus' teachings. As a matter of fact, if we look in verse 28, we find that all those in the synagogue were filled with wrath toward Jesus. The Bible says, and so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Now, regardless of what Jesus taught, Well, regardless of what people thought, Jesus shared some powerful truths about himself. Truths about his ministry. Truths about his purpose. Truths to help us know who my Jesus really is. These same truths are confirmed in the I am statements found in the gospel of John. And today I want us to leave here understanding that my Jesus is our true comforter. The second statement from last week's text. There in verse 18 it simply says he has sent me. To heal the brokenhearted. Let me say that again. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I wasn't sent to heal the brokenhearted. You weren't sent to heal the brokenhearted. But Jesus was sent to heal the brokenhearted. So not only, as we begin looking in this, not only do we find that Jesus 
was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, showing that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We find that God has sent him to heal broken hearts. He sent him to be our comforter. While we hear the word heal right here in this phrase that we're dealing with today, we tend to think of healing as being made whole. In, in some translations, the word heal has been replaced with the word bind. And this is important. This is truly important to us. This word carries the thought of something that has been broken, something that has been shattered, now being held together. We know through Scripture... That Jesus performed many miracles. As a matter of fact, Matthew 4 and 23 says, And Jesus went, out, went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. These were physical healings. The, uh, but in this verse, that's not what Jesus is speaking about. In this verse, he came to heal the brokenhearted. This gives the idea of severe suffering. This gives the idea of extreme sorrow. Sorrow to the point of feeling crushed. Sorrow to the point of feeling shattered into pieces. Physical pain can be numbed. But I want to say this. Emotional pain, heartbreak... There's not enough morphine and there's not enough Demerol to numb that pain. The most we can do is try to take something off their plate. The most we can do is just be there to hold them, to cry with them. The most we can do is try to take their mind off their circumstances when it's appropriate. What you and I can't do is heal or bind up their broken heart. What are we saying here? Here's, here's what I got. We got to get this. When a heart is broken in grief, it is never the same. We said earlier that when we think of healing, we think of something being made whole. Well, some of us in here have a void or may I say a hole in our hearts today because of some event that has taken place. And because we have that, it can't be healed, but it can be bound together. When something is shattered, you can't take the pieces and make it whole, but you can take the pieces and bind them together. So we need to really get this. When a heart is broken in grief, it's never the same. So what kind of healing or binding is taking place? It's the idea of Jesus seeing these shattered pieces of our heart, picking them up and just holding them. He does this so we can open our eyes when that cruel sun comes up the next day. He does this so that we can take one step in front of the other because life doesn't stop. 
in the midst of our grief. He does this so that we can be productive witnesses for his strength and his comfort in the midst of our weakness. So my Jesus has been sent to do what we can't do. He has been sent to comfort us in a way that we can't comfort one another. My Jesus has been sent to heal the brokenhearted. And you know, that's illustrated perfectly in John's gospel in chapter 11. We find two sisters who are heartbroken. Their brother Lazarus has fallen sick and they have not been able to help him. Nowhere in scripture is it told what kind of sickness Lazarus actually has, but it is so serious that Mary and Martha sent messengers to Jesus to tell them that their brother is sick. Their neighbors could not help them. Their friends could not help them. Their family could not help them. And it appears to me that they not know what to do other than following what scripture says it appears they heard they heard somebody say something about psalms 121 1 through 2 and it says when no one can help i will look unto the hills where comes my help and my help comes from the lord who made heaven and earth these sisters needed help so they sent for the Lord Jesus Christ. Their message was simple. Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. They knew Jesus had the power to heal the sick. They believed Jesus could get, if he could get there, he could heal their brother. Jesus was very familiar with this family. As a matter of fact, we hear that when the message says, whom you love. He, he had a great love for them. However, he remained where he was at for two more days. He loved them. Actually sent a message by the messenger. His sickness isn't in the death. And stayed where he was at for two days. Then he tells his disciples after two days, you know, guys, we need to go to Bethany. Well, well oh, Lord, <laughs> you said Lazarus is doing well. And if you go, they're going to try and stone you. And Jesus gets frank with them. He says, Lazarus is dead. We're going to Bethany. I don't care that they're going to stone me. We're going to Bethany. He made the two-day journey back to Bethany. And when he arrived in Bethany, think about what he finds. Somebody sees him down the road and they go and tell Mary and Martha, Jesus is here. And Mary so consumed in her grief. She couldn't go to Jesus. Have you been there? Have you been right there? The where you're so consumed with your grief, you can do, you cannot go to the Lord. That's where Mary was. We have the audacity to say, just, just seek the Lord, and they're doing all they can to breathe. Mary could not go to the Lord. Martha went. 
And I want you to picture it. Picture it as as he's coming down the road and she's coming out toward him. Confronting him. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary, with this broken heart, she comes to confront the Lord. I wonder, has anyone here today ever experienced a broken heart? I'm talking about being broken in a way that's not physical but emotional. I'm talking about an emotional pain that is so real and deep that you ache and you hurt in a way that medicine just cannot help you. It won't relieve this kind of pain. I'm talking about pain that takes your breath away. I'm talking about feeling as if your heart has been shattered into pieces. Whether it's a spouse having an affair, a child dealing with an addiction, news of a terminal illness or heartbreaking news of sudden death. Oh, folks, it's then that we need comfort, comfort that man can't give, comfort that helps us to open our eyes when the sun rises the next morning, comfort that helps us to place a foot in front of the other, comfort in the one who loves us too much to leave us in the state that we're in. The one who can pick up the pieces of our shattered heart and bind it together. Folks, if we look to my Jesus, he will comfort us because he was sent to heal or bind the brokenhearted. He came to Mary and Martha to offer them comfort by reminding them of their belief in the resurrection. Martha told Jesus that if he had been there, Lazarus would not have died. What Jesus says to her in verse 23 in chapter 11, he says, your brother will rise again. It appears Jesus is saying, I know he's physically dead, but he'll live again. I know he's wrapped in grave clothes. But he'll live again. I know he's been in the tomb for four days, but he'll live again. (laughs) It seems he wanted Martha to remember the truth that she had been taught in the scriptures. Where she would have heard in Daniel 12 and 2, where it says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Believing in the truth of the resurrection, it just gives us comfort. Maybe she had been told the words of Job in verse in chapter 19, verses 25 and 26, where he says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at the last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know in my flesh, I shall see him. Folks, just knowing that gives us comfort. And it seems Jesus was reminding them of what they had believed. He was reminding them of the promise of the resurrection and the promise of the resurrection brings comfort. So for those who are brokenhearted today, for those who might feel your life has been shattered, let me remind us of the truth of the resurrection. 
The church in Thessalonica was struggling with understanding the doctrine of the resurrection. They were looking for Jesus to return at any moment. But the believers in Thessalonica were struggling with wondering what's going to happen to those who've already died before he comes. And hearing this, Paul sent a letter to them. And in that letter, he tells them, I do not want you to not understand about those who have fallen asleep. Paul here indicates that they're not dead, but their flesh is asleep because their soul and their spirit is alive and well, and they're worshiping the Lord, and their soul and spirit will return when Jesus returns. Paul shares that we will not proceed those at the coming of our Lord. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. And there will always be with the Lord. Folks, I don't know about you, but this gives me comfort. My Jesus comforts us by reminding us that this world is not our final home. It brings comfort to know that the grave is not the end. It brings comfort to know that one day the Lord will call us to our eternal home. And if we've put our faith and our trust in him as our personal savior, folks, we are comforted. Oh, we are comforted when we believe in the truth of the resurrection. But we're also comforted... just stay with me please stay with me but we're comforted when our behavior lines up with our belief in the resurrection stay with me just stay with me with this it's obvious that Martha believed in the resurrection because she states to Jesus I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day So it appears that Martha believed in the resurrection. However, because her heart was broken, she wasn't able to behave as if she believed in the resurrection. Why is this? Because Martha believed the resurrection simply as a doctrine of her faith. She believed in the resurrection simply as a future event. Now, this was and this is great to believe in because it is a doctrine of our faith. And it is a future event. (sighs) However, she was living in the present. You with me? And because she was brokenhearted living in the present, Jesus needed to Bind the broken pieces of her heart together. And he did this by sharing the truth of the resurrection with her. By sharing with her the truth of her present day reality. Jesus makes the only I am statement at this time that can help to heal or bind the pieces of her broken heart. And he says, I am the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And who believes in me, though they may die, shall live. 
Folks, the resurrection is not just an event. The resurrection is not just a doctrine. The resurrection is the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that. Just as Christ is immortal, just as Christ has put on incorruption or incorruptible, we who are in Christ, we who have been born again, we who have received Jesus as our personal Savior will never die. We will live forevermore. We will lay down this corruptible, this mortal body. But thanks be to God, we're going to pick up incorruptible. We're going to put on immortality and we will be more alive than ever before. You know why I'm saying that? Because your loved ones who's gone on to be with the Lord are more alive today than they ever have been before. Even when they were in your presence. And that should give us comfort. Jesus needed to demonstrate this. It wasn't enough that he told them. He needed to demonstrate this. This is the truth of him being the resurrection and the life. He needed to demonstrate that we who believe in him never die. So he asked them, where did you take Lazarus? When he saw the tomb, they told him, he told them, take the stone away, would you? Oh, oh, Jesus, he's, he's been there four days. You don't want us to do that. He said, I told you, if you would believe you would see the glory of God. <laughs> Folks, if we will believe, he is the resurrection. He is our comfort. We'll experience the glory of God. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he who was dead came forth. <laughs> he was bound in grave clothes and Jesus said, Lucid. And let him go. <laughs> Seeing the truth of the resurrection, Jesus was binding the hearts, these broken hearts of these two sisters. Oh, they were broke, they were heartbroken in a way that they couldn't see any present comfort. Their comfort in the resurrection was far into the future. But Jesus comforted them by revealing that he is indeed. The resurrection and the resurrection is not just a doctrine it's not just a future event but it's a present reality in the lives of those who trust him listen church family you you who may listen on facebook or youtube you who may get a dvd of this service if you're brokenhearted today jesus has come to comfort you he has come to bind the broken pieces of your heart. We are comforted when we believe in the resurrection, but it's when our behavior follows our belief that we're comforted the most. Listen, please, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. It's okay to grieve. We should grieve. But we who are born again believers, we grieve as a people with hope because we believe in the resurrection. 
we should be able to be comforted in the midst of our grief. And the great news is that not only are we comforted most when our behavior follows our belief, but others who know our circumstances, (laughs) when they see that our behavior lines up with our belief, Jesus truly is their comforter also. We saw the drama to this beautiful song, My Jesus. That second verse in chorus says, Who can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years and tell the past to disappear? Let me tell you about my Jesus. With all the wrong turns that you would go and undo if you could, who can work it out for your good? (laughs) Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong. His grace is free. And the good news is I know what he's done for me. (laughs) Oh, Oh, let me say it this way. I know he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. My Jesus He's not only the way, the truth, and the life, but my Jesus is the resurrection. My Jesus is my comforter, and he wants to be your comforter. My Jesus wants to change your life. If you've been grieving for far too long, my Jesus wants to comfort you. Grief is real. It's lasting. But I would encourage you to let Jesus comfort you. Let him bind those broken pieces. And as he does, trust him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As they're making their way, preparing for this invitation. I want to ask, have you been comforted lately? Have you trusted Jesus to be your comforter? I can go so far. (laughs) Your neighbors can go so far. Your friends can only go so far. Your family can only go so far. 
But no matter what it is that has broken your heart, Jesus was sent on earth for the purpose of picking those pieces up and binding them together. Are you ready to allow him to do that today? God, right now, as you're speaking to each and every heart, you know the things that have come each one's way. God, you know the ones who would say there's truth to this message, that grief is real. But when we get ready to let Jesus comfort us, he is truly our comforter. That there will always be bad days. But Jesus has a way of putting space between the good days and the bad. That he has a way, if we trust him over time, we'll find that there becomes more good days and fewer bad days while the bad days will always be he has a way of helping us to not allow the bad to consume us to where we're not able to praise him in the good oh God we we just thank you for what you've already done in so many hearts who've been through so many things. And God, there's some right now that are going through some things that's fresh. And God, we pray that you would minister to them through this heart-wrenching, heartbreaking grief. And God, prepare them to look to you to be their comforter. Oh God, there's some here today who is just broken in sin, who has failed to trust you as their Lord and Savior, and their heart can never be binded together until they turn their lives over to you. So God, right now, move upon them. Speak to them. And as you do, God, as they continue in this song of invitation, God, we're going to praise you for it all. Move and minister in every heart. And God, we praise you.